Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 3-2 win over Liverpool in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Salah got two goals for Liverpool. Greenwood and Rashford had two goals between them before Bruno Fernandes came on as a substitute and won the match in the 78th minute with a free kick. United will play West Ham in the fifth round. Carl... This is a pretty special sports week for us. Raptors are back on track. India have that historic series win over Australia. And now United top of the table and getting a big win over Liverpool. We've talked about the need for United to get that win over a big team. Here it is. Hey Vivek, hey everybody. Yeah, really, really good week. It was nice to end the weekend on a high, let's say. Uh, It was actually a, a riveting game proper cup game I would say you know both teams going back and forth very very different from the game a week ago which was a very cagey affair and it was more of the let's try not to lose this game as opposed to let's go out there and win this game and you could see that uh, from the onset in this game both teams were going for it much more attacking much more open also more mistakes Uh, you could see a, a lot of mistakes that ended up leading to goals and so from a neutral standpoint that must have been quite the game to watch. Obviously, from a United standpoint, very exciting finish for us. Uh, I will hold my hand up. I know in the last episode, I did make a prediction saying the team who scores first will win the game. I am so happy that I am wrong because uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that all day. You know, I, I should I should know better. If United go down, it really just spells trouble for the opposition. I mean, that's such a positive for United this season, right? The the confidence they have every time they trail to fight back, the togetherness of the squad, we're really seeing that over the last few. And I think the biggest thing that I take away from this match is I look at the lineup beforehand and I'm seeing no Bruno and I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to create chances? Because that's been the narrative since Bruno has been here. We look a different side when he's on the pitch. We look a different side when he's off the pitch. So that was the big challenge. And so overall, for United to look as threatening as they did, obviously way more on the left side than the right side, but for them to look as threatening as they did in this match, I think that was the biggest positive. Just to give you a little insight into how well United have been playing as a team of late, I was actually looking back at our Cantona callers that we've been handing out. And the last time we gave Bruno the Cantona caller was December 5th at West Ham. Okay. More than almost almost two months ago. (laughs) Wow, okay. So it shows you the way everyone else has sort of picked up the slack and really stepped up their game. Talking about somebody named Paul Pogba? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Vivek, just to start off with the, you know, you were talking about the starting lineup. Now, Donny gets to play in his preferred role, you know, in that number 10 spot, mm-hmm. where, to be honest, we really haven't seen him play there too often. I have two questions for you. Before the game started, when you saw this, what were your expectations of Donny heading into this game, where you would have said, okay, this would be successful, this wouldn't be successful? And then now that you've seen the game, what is your final analysis on his performance? 
My expectations for Donnie were I expected a lot of triangle play. I a lot of I expected a lot of short short passes. We saw that. I think Solshire actually got fed up of it pretty quickly. I was reading obviously we're not there at the stadium. A lot of people aren't at the stadium, but some of the people who were there actually I tweeted out saying that within the first 15 minutes Solshire yelled at Donnie Van de Beek twice to be more direct. Interesting. And there was one play in particular where he received the pass and he slowed down the play. I know exactly which play you're talking about. It was a counterattack. Exactly. It was pro- I must have been like two on two or something like that. Yeah. And that's an opportunity that you have to try and seize. Especially you said in a cup match, one side is going through. This isn't the league where you're saying, okay, share the spoils. We can take that a point of piece and we move on. So those things kind of... Uh, frustrated me a little bit. The the more I watched Donny Van de Beek, it, it pains me to say this, but this is a guy who is tailor made to play Arsenal style of football. <laughs> I mean, he literally wants to walk the ball into the net. I'm even thinking of uh, the chance that he had when he was put through in the 28th minute by Marcus Rashford. The fact that his first instinct there was to square the ball. For someone else to put it in when he is one-on-one with the keeper and he's not even thinking about dinking Allison, that tells me everything you need to know about Donny van de Beek. So very cute player, very smart player, very technically gifted, but I don't think he's a genuine fit with Manchester United style. What did you think? You know, as you were as you were speaking, I could hear the sirens in the background. I just found that very fitting given the analysis that you just gave of Donny van de Beek. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think the alarm bells are ringing at United. Vivek, you know, all joking aside, to answer this question, now I really thought about you know, Donny coming to the team, thinking about what the media has been saying without really seeing what's been going on behind the scenes. You know what we've been saying, right? And, okay, coming to this game, I, I told myself, Okay, Donny's going to play. He's playing against Liverpool. Ole, from a man management perspective, is showing Donny how important he is to this team because he's playing him against one of our biggest rivals in a cup competition where really we need to win this trophy, right? So the signal has gone out. Now, what can I expect from Donny having not played consistently and then coming to this game? Okay, do the basics, right? Just show why you are worth 40 million. What I could see and you summarize that very well, is he loves that short triangles. He loves the one-touch passing. And so I was looking and trying to figure out what is the difference between Donny van der Beek and Bruno? And I think there's a couple of differences that I noticed. Number one, the positions that Donny van der Beek was taking was very different from Bruno. They both, yes, were were shading the left-hand side because that's where most of our plays were coming down. But I felt that Donny was getting really close to our own players and kind of clogging up the space. Whereas Bruno has a really nice way of okay going right to the touchline and then receiving the ball and playing a one-two and opening up space, whether it's Luke Shaw making an overlapping run. Whereas I thought that Donny wasn't going far enough out and was playing closer to the center. But as a result, he was eliminating some of those runs that could be made by the Rashfords and the Luke Shaws, right? That was number one. Number two, I thought Donny didn't put himself about the pitch and didn't demand the ball. It looked like he was shy, and that completely comes down to a confidence thing. Hey, let me not make mistakes as opposed to, let me just go for it. If I make mistakes, I don't care. I trust my own ability. I know how good I am. 
That's what I wanted to see from Donnie today. Okay, you know what? If you do that and you make the mistakes, you will be forgiven. Fans will see what you're all about. But if you take that safe route, I think United over the last seven, eight years is sick and tired of that. They've seen the Tom Cleverleys come into this team and play those lateral passes. That's the last thing we want to see. So I do think that Donny, he didn't have a poor performance. I don't think that was the case. I thought he had a, you know, mediocre, nothing to rave home about. But at the same time, I think he could have done more. And case in point was when Bruno came on. Fantastic substitution, by the way. We could, we'll talk about that a little later. But when Bruno came on, he took up that position where Donny was going slightly differently. And then if you notice the second time he, he did that, he came on the right-hand side. He crossed that ball into Cavani where he smashed it off the post. Mm. Donny van der Beek did not make his way to the right-hand side at all in that game. You wouldn't see Donny in that position. Fred had the ball by the uh, touchline, right? Nowhere to go. And Fred found Bruno because Bruno made the space available. If it was Donny, A, he probably wouldn't have been. They would probably have been more to the left-hand side. And B, if he was, he would have been much closer to Fred, but he probably didn't get that option to cross it into Cavani like that. So I think... I mean, C, he's not crossing that ball. C, he's looking for the next triangle. <laughs> absolutely. And so I think these are some of the subtle differences. So if I were Donny, you've got two choices here. Either you incorporate new ways of playing the game that you're not quite used to at the moment, or you you say, this is what I'm all about. This is what I, I can do. And then, you know what? The fit isn't going to be there, but I think it's very, very early for that to be made. You've seen players in the past like Vidic and Evra, where you look at them immediately and you're like, okay, the fit's not there. Uh, time to move on. And then you have one preseason or one off season where they, you know, just take a step back and then they come back refreshed. So I'm hoping for the latter. I do want to keep a hold of Donny van der Beek. You know, we've been very lucky that there haven't been any serious injuries to some of our top, top players. If there were, this is where your squad depth comes into play. Right now, Donnie's sitting on the bench because everybody's going at full gear. We talked about Van der Beek's maybe too unselfish nature. Once again, to start the game, I was very frustrated with Mason Greenwood's start. 10th minute and 13th minute, he gets the ball, and you could see on both occasions, Cavani was livid with him. And it wasn't even that Cavani was wanting the ball for himself. The first play, he actually pointed out to say, hey, there's a man open right there. You can find him. Those plays, it's amazing how different he was after he got his goal. After he ties up the match, then all of a sudden, you're seeing a bit more passing in his game. There was the one where he teed up Pogba. Then there was obviously the great ball he played to Rashford to give United the lead. So I think that goal sort of freed him up if he can now carry that form, that positive intent that he showed into the matches to come, that's going to be a huge boost for United. And, you know, it's funny. It's funny how these things happen when all of a sudden there's a little competition and you have to look over your back and you they know that there's an Ahmad Diallo coming up <laughs> the wings. Somebody on the right-hand side to give you a, a run for your money. I agree with you, Vivek. I do believe something was said at halftime to Mason because... He definitely started to play with his head up a little bit more. And I mean, that was a spectacular pass to Rash for the second goal. So give credit where credit's due. I also think you made a very good point. I think Mason was feeling a pressure after the expectations from his first season. Something you mentioned in the previous episode. 
and just getting that goal just gave him the confidence and made him relax a little bit more and was able to release it because he didn't need a goal as badly anymore. So I'm just hoping that he can kick on from here. It's amazing what a goal can do for a young player's confidence, right? So uh, let's hope to see some more of that from Mason. Uh, it was a fantastic game from him today. Much better than any of the previous games he's played of late. What did you make of Paul Pogba's performance? Obviously playing a little bit deeper and... United were going to need to depend on him with Bruno out of the lineup. What did you make of him overall? Because I thought he had an up and down game. He had some nice moments, but he also had some moments where defensively he was lacking. He lost the ball uh, quite a few times in this one. Even the chances he did had, especially with some of the goals he scored of late, you expect better. I thought uh, Pogba, I would say average game. Probably yeah. a 7 out of 10 or 6.5 out of 10. I thought he had a sloppy first half, uh, but came came through in the second half, played a lot better. You know, there's one thing I do want to touch upon with Pogba, that he has opened a new dimension for United from an attacking sense. And this is where I want to get your opinion. The fact that Pogba has this hunger and desire now, where he's taking shots, even from corner kicks, he is a threat. He had two yeah. very good opportunities that was squandered. One header, needed to get that on target. And there was one with his foot, right? And I think that's what you're talking about. Luke Shaw, fantastic deliveries, by the way. Now, Pogba adding this threat, especially from the edge of the box, adds another dimension. Let me, let me uh, dig a little deeper. Before, you had the Rashfords and the Martials who preferred, to, preferred the ball that was cut back. And then they could you know, curl it in or smash it in. Defenses caught on to this. They stopped defending that run into the near post or the far post because they knew that these balls were always going to get cut back. Now with Cavani being there, you can't do that anymore. You know for a fact that Cavani is going to make a late run into the box, taking away one defender. Secondly, you now know that Pogba is waiting on the edge of the box. He does not need a, a, a touch to control. He will smash it first time. He's shown that in the recent games that have gone on. So this threat is now opening up space for the Martials, for the Rashfords, for the Greenwoods. Defenses now are, okay, we need to defend against three different types of threats, right? And I think even though Pogba had a mediocre game, I think this threat that he's bringing is for the greater good of the team. And that's why if Paul Pogba continues to play, he's playing. He's playing every game for me. Yes, he was a little sloppy in possession when he tried to do a shielding and uh, Liverpool with their press was stealing the ball away from him. Luckily, we had our defense focused and, and set to try and nip it in the bud. Obviously, they didn't work on every occasion because Liverpool did squeeze a couple of goals in and I'm sure we can we can talk about that a little bit more. But Vivek, do you what do you think? Do you think that we now have a little bit more attacking threat. And that's the reason why we don't depend on Bruno as much, as you were saying earlier. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. That's a really important point. And we made that basketball analogy before, right? Where we said, you know, with the new three-point era in the NBA, there are a lot of teams now that are just, hey, we're going to take shots at the rim and we're going to take three-pointers. And that's all we're going to focus on. And every time the playoffs come, those teams are the ones that kind of get exposed. Right, their offensive rating goes down because as a defense, you know exactly what to expect. 
as James Harden, if he's just trying to get to the free throw line or finish at the rim or just take three pointers, every time you're going to give him that mid range shot and say, Hey, you haven't taken this on all season. So we know this is an uncomfortable position for you to be in. Same way with Manchester United. If every time an opponent is planning and saying, okay, we only have to worry about Rashford on the left. We need to man mark Bruno. The game is taken care of. Then it becomes that much easier to defend. But now when you have to worry about Cavani and Rashford and Pogba and Bruno and maybe Greenwood finds his form as well, there's a real threat because now the defense has to think about so many things. There's so much more that they have to be aware of. It just opens up the possibilities for more mistakes, which opens up more chances. And hot tip, once United start to get their headers on target, watch out, see how many more goals they're going to score. And this was something I talked about the last time United played Liverpool, right? When you look at the size advantage United have in this matchup now, especially with the absence of a Van Dijk, this is something they should absolutely be taking advantage of. You got Harry Maguire, you got Paul Pogba, you got Cavani. You expect Pogba to do a little bit better with the headers. Cavani inches away from making that header count. Let's move on to Luke Shaw because he delivered some great corners. He was a constant threat coming down that wing. And then defensively, obviously, there were two big mistakes I thought he made. On the first goal and then allowing Salah through on what should have been Salah's hat-trick. I thought Salah just fluffed his chance, and maybe the game looks a little bit different. But those are two big mistakes. Outside of that, again, he was really, really good. Yeah, and Vivek, the the mistakes you're talking about, they were the exact same mistake twice. Both times, Salah got in behind, and he was able to get the run in, get a shot off. I thought, you know, for the first goal, Salah had a fantastic finish where he just chipped Henderson Henderson tried to make himself as big as possible, but that didn't work out. I also think there there is a little bit to say about Luke Shaw on the first goal when Salah was in behind. Uh, he was with Lindelof. And this is where you see that partnership between Maguire and Shaw, how good it is. Because they didn't have that partnership now with Victor and Shaw. And I mm-hmm. think Harry Maguire covers for Shaw. And in this case, Victor is not on the same wavelength. And then... You could see that Shaw was out of position and he tried to cheat and he didn't get it. That was a nice pass from Firmino. The second time, uh, I thought Henderson came out and made himself big and saved him. But I completely agree with you. So that's just something for Shaw to work on because it was just completely uh, a mental lapse in concentration for those mistakes. Now, on the plus side, there was a fantastic article on The Athletic written about Shaw and his runs driving into the box. And what he can create. He is getting better and better at that. The way he's able to run with the ball. With the close control. And then opens up so many options. He needs to continue doing that. Can you imagine if United had that same. Attacking threat on the right hand side. How potent they would be. I think now. We're starting to see. Why that Jaden Sancho transfer. Was so important to United. Now I don't want to talk about. What ifs. But. If United had that threat down the right-hand side, this could be a completely different conversation we're having about this season. Instead of challenging for maybe one title, it could have been something else. Now, I I don't want to get ahead of myself because I wouldn't 
quite put us there of like title challengers just yet. I still believe that City is a notch above everybody else. The only thing that seems to be pegging them back down to reality is these injuries that which are happening to Aguero and now another one to Kevin De Bruyne, which could potentially be a an equalizer in this uh, in this title race. But no, overall, I am extremely impressed with Luke Shaw. He's kind of just played Alex Tellers out of the side at the moment. He kind of yeah. a look in. Let's stay on that left side because I think this is someone we could, based on this performance alone, we could spend a lot of time talking about him. To me, this was arguably Rashford's best performance of the season. I thought he was spectacular. He was such a big threat on that left side. Liverpool had no answer for him whatsoever. The goal was thoroughly deserved. The ball he hit to Greenwood for the equalizer, I didn't even know he had that in his bag. Kudos to him. We've talked about you know, him being a local lad and this fixture probably meaning more to him than any other. He now has more goals against Liverpool at home than against any other opponent. So clearly when Liverpool come to town, you know he's up for it. You see what it means to a local lad, right? And that's why it's so important when you have these local players playing in that derby. They just get everybody else G'd up for the game. Maybe some of the international players who don't quite understand the rivalry there. My only point that I want to make over here is, yes, Rashford had a fantastic game. But it just goes to show you squad rotation and getting people rest at the right time. This is what can happen. Rashford didn't play the previous game. He came on maybe for the last, whatever it was, 15 minutes. You could Great see point. he looked refreshed. I'm just hoping the same thing applies to Bruno Fernandes, who you know sat on the bench, you could see at halftime, was joking with Ole, probably asking him, hey, when are you going to get me on the pitch? I could just see that. You even saw that Ole in the press conference was talking about how Bruno stayed back and practiced free kicks for the next 40 minutes after practice before the Liverpool game, and Ole had to kick him off the pitch so that he could go and get some rest. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess that practice came to good use today <laughs> what a free kick and what a time i mean this is one thing that i criticized him for a little bit right in the big matches he hasn't had that big impact yet and all of a sudden he scores a goal and united win the big match i think he heard you vivek <laughs> hey listen if we got bruno as a listener we're doing something right <laughs> i think i think he heard you and he heard a lot of media because a lot of people started quoting and there were a couple of uh, pundits who said that. I think Roy Keane was probably one of them. Just say, you know, you need to show up in the big games. And uh, Bruno's definitely one of those characters who uh, puts it in the memory bank. So Vivek, I had a quick question since we're talking about Bruno. You know what? The introduction of bringing Bruno into the game, I think, was pivotal. I thought Ole Gunnar made a fantastic change at the right time, bringing Bruno and Fred into the game. In my notes, I had United ever since... You know, the second goal from Liverpool uh, from the 60th minute onwards were were pretty poor. I thought they were sloppy, giving it away. I thought Scott McTominay, I don't know what came over him, just seemed to be, you know, winning possession, whether it was clumsily or not. The ball was going through his legs. And so it was just sloppy overall. And you could see Ole was like, okay, enough's enough. We need an injection. We need to win this game. I'm not, I'm not uh, waiting until later in the game to make the sub. He brought Fred and Bruno on. What did you think of Ole's performance in this game? 
I thought he was great because, again, that's a really important moment that you've highlighted where Liverpool all of a sudden just took over the game, right? When you look at the final stages of the first half and the opening of the second half, United were in complete control. It was almost like, hey, how many goals can United get here and just put this away? All of a sudden, they got that tying goal and they were completely bossing the game. They were completely bossing the midfield. McTominay, when he got the ball, he was trying to do too much. He was, try- he was holding on to the ball and driving for way too long instead of just releasing it. I was just wondering, how did United lose a grip on this game? And it was screaming for Van de Beek to come off. I was actually debating whether it should have been Pogba to come off. Because as much as Pogba has been in form, I thought Greenwood's pace was so important. But clearly, Ole decided we're, <laughs> we're not going to be able to take advantage of that pace if we can't control the midfield better. Correct. Kudos to him for making the right subs. There was that one play immediately after they came on where Fred got bodied off by Firmino and they were able to create another chance. But after that, I thought United looked a lot better defensively, started to control the game better. And then I think they were completely worth the winning goal and moving on to the next round. Just to touch upon... Because, you know, one of the things we talked about in the previous episode when we played Liverpool, we said, hey, we really wanted Cavani to start. And he didn't. And we saw how that game panned out. Cavani started in this game. Talk to talk to me about what difference Cavani made in this game. And maybe why you wanted him to start in the previous game. Well, first off, the aerial threat is obvious. Bruno, that cross he played to Cavani... And that header, that is a world-class header. It didn't go in, but that that is something only world-class players are capable of. The thing I want to highlight, when Greenwood plays the ball to Rashford, it starts with Cavani being deep and putting in a tackle to make sure he gets to the ball before Thiago. And then United can go on the counter. Not to make the comparison all the time, but I know Anthony Marshall is not making that play. Time after time... At the beginning of the season, we criticized how United looked so soft on corners, defending corners, because of that near post weakness. Every time Cavani plays, what do we see? Cavani is standing at the near post. This game was the most comfortable I have been with United on set pieces. At no point did I feel like, wow, Liverpool are going to get one here. In open play, they had their threats, but they really didn't have anything from the set pieces. Now, for those Martial fans out there, Vivek, they're probably going to bring up the second goal that United conceded, and it all started from a Cavani giveaway. That was a terrible giveaway. And, you know, what? I think that's one one area, because you look at it, if Cavani makes that pass, we are on a break, right? Obviously, that didn't happen. I thought James Milner positioned himself fantastically, because he he just missed a chance right before that to equalize, if Mm -hmm. you remember. And so, Milner was fantastic on that play. So... I want to give both sides of the coin with Cavani, but as far as I'm concerned, the pros far outweigh the cons when it comes to Cavani. I mean, he won the free kick for the winning goal. Yeah, he won the free kick. And and I want to bring up, when he gave the ball away on that second goal, did you see what he did after he gave it away? He busted a gut to run back and get the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he knew, hey, I'm at fault here. And he tried really hard to get... And you know what? That's all you can expect because you know players are going to make mistakes during the game. What yeah. do you do after you make the mistake? 
is the big question. I, I, I thought he made a world of difference. Like I mentioned, I think with Cavani, because he gives you such a different threat with his runs, he can score with his left foot, his right foot, and his head. Right? There's very few people in the United team that can score with their head. It's costing us, I think, in certain games. So these are some of the things that I just want to point out to the to the listeners as well. I thought Cavani, yeah, he made a mistake, but he more than made up for it. That free kick, excellent point, Vivek. We're not getting a free kick there if it wasn't for Cavani's positioning. Did you see that play where United were on the counter and Rashford plays a ball as both Cavani and Greenwood are on the run? And Cavani plays a one-touch through his legs to Greenwood to take it on the run. He didn't get it perfectly, but that was the only way Greenwood was going to be able to get it in stride and at least be able to think of getting a shot off on goal. It's those little things that show me his world-class level. Because at this level, the first touch makes such a pivotal difference. And over and over again, you see him with these quick one-touches that make all the difference to United's counters. Absolutely agreed. And speaking of those world-class levels, who was our Cantona caller today? I think for me, it's Marcus Rashford. Yeah, I have I have no uh, disagreements on that. I thought he was far and above any anybody else on the pitch. I thought he was inspired. That pass for the first goal was world-class. That was not an easy pass at all. And it's not something Marcus is known for. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, no, no disagreements there. This was the type of performance that... When I talked about, hey, how can Rashford get to the levels of the Raheem Sterlings and the Sadio Mane's and then and the Eden Hazards from before with Chelsea, this was the type of performance that can put him on that pedestal. Obviously, it's something that you have to do night in, night out to be recognized on that level. But this is something that he should be very proud of. And the coaching staff, everyone should be looking at that and saying, hey, if you can be this level of player, night in, night out, now we got you as a world-class player on the left side. We got Cavani as a world-class striker up front. We got world-class players in Bruno and Pogba behind you. When's the last time United had this level of talent in their starting 11? It's beautiful to see. Yeah, probably, you know, 2008 or 2011, right? When we made the <laughs> finals. So what about uh, speaking of, you know, not so world-class, the Beckham boot? Who's that going to do? I think I will go with Scott McTominay because I was weighing up. I, I didn't think Victor Lindelof was very good in this game. I think he was also in a bit of a tough position. He's dealing with that back issue. His chemistry, we know, we can see with Luke Shaw isn't quite there. But I thought this was an opportunity for Scott McTominay to show that, you know, I can still be very effective when I'm not playing with Fred and say, hey, Ole, when you're thinking about lineups, it doesn't have to just be me and Fred for me to fit in. I can play with Pogba. I can play with so-and-so. So I think this was a bit of a missed opportunity for him here. Again, just tried to do too much. So I'd probably go with McTominay. I don't know who you have in mind. Yeah, you know, some of the candidates that I was looking at was Scott, Victor, and potentially Henderson for that second goal. I thought, you know, him letting that through his legs from Salah, 
but overall could, uh, learn a thing or two about foot saves from <laughs> definitely, <laughs> right? yeah definitely i thought uh, i definitely think henderson could have done better on that but i i do think you know what united overall played a, a very good game and so the levels were pretty good but i did think that scott's level dropped in the second half especially with all those giveaways and he definitely was holding on to the ball a little too long and uh, he'll learn I think it's just a one-off, but yes, yeah, Scott McTominay for me as well. I mean, from from a noisy neighbor standpoint, any arguments on on Salah getting it? I mean, he 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 did have two goals and a pretty good performance. Arguments against? I don't really have any. Uh, we talked a little bit how Thiago was not the same player in this match that he was in the nil-nil draw at Anfield. So, I think that was one person I looked at as maybe being more of a threat. And he disappointed a, a little bit. Reese Williams tried very, very hard to get the Beckham boot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, kudos to him for helping us out <laughs> in this one. But yeah, no, no arguments with Salah. The, the way he was playing, I thought when he had that chance for the hat trick, he was going to bury that. I was so shocked with the effort that he had. He gets the third there. It becomes very difficult, right? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I thought he was uh, inspired today. I know there was a lot of uh, jokes being made about Salah and Luke Shaw's pocket from the league game. I think Salah wanted to show what he's all about and maybe settle the score. And I, I think he, he definitely did that. He, he reminded everybody of what he's capable of. And, you know, for all those fantasy owners out there, maybe it's worth still keeping him in your teams because he might go on a run now. Looking ahead, Jan 27th, United up against... Sheffield United, uh, there's no other way to put it. <laughs> Bottom of the table, you have to get the three points, take care of business. Maybe uh, even think about goal difference a little bit and assert yourself right from the beginning so you can uh, get a big score in this one. Definitely. Uh, what would your uh, what would your starting lineup be, Vivek? Well, Bruno's rested, so he's coming back. <laughs> Definitely. So he'll be in for Van de Beek. De Gea will be in for Henderson. I'd like to think Bailly will be back in for Lindelof. As much as I would love to keep seeing Luke Shaw play because of the run of form he's found, I think this is an opportunity to just get him some rest. Tellez going up against a weaker Sheffield United team. This is an opportunity for him to come in, so I think I would do that. Looking at the midfield, probably get Matic in. For Scott, you still gonna play with your two defensive mids, or will, will it be just the one? It'll be the one because now it'll be Pogba there with Bruno. You've got Greenwood playing well. You've got Rashford playing well. You've got Cavani playing great. I don't know if Cavani gets the start just because I think you maybe give him a rest. And it's Sheffield United. You try and see if Marshall can get himself going. So. Yeah, maybe Marshall comes back in for Cavani, and that's about all the changes that I would have. Okay, so you're, you're still going a 4-2-3-1, except Pogba is not really playing that DM role. He's probably going to be pretty attacking, so mm-hmm. you're, you're probably going a 4-1-4-1, basically. Yeah, more like it. Yeah, yeah no, I actually agree with you. I do think that Luke Shaw could use a bit of a breather. Uh, don't want to you know, tempt fate with any injury or anything like that. I do believe also Bali will come in. Matic, yeah, he's he's due a game. Fred, you're not. Uh, it's hard to leave him out after his performance. So it'll be interesting to see if 
if Fred gets the nod ahead of Matic, but that that one I can't call. It's it's too close to call. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the other thing is Pogba has played a bunch of games on the trot now. Will he get a rest? That's the only other thing I can think of. But I think the front four, like you mentioned, I'm in agreement with you. I think it'll be Mason, Bruno, Rashford, and Martial. Hopefully the front four, back four, everyone can keep the good times rolling. United have lost only once in the last 13 matches. That was the EFL Cup semi defeat to Man City. You think about this FA Cup now. Liverpool is out of the way. Holders, Arsenal are out of the tournament. There's not too many teams still standing in your way. The usual suspects, Man City, Tottenham. Chelsea. Chelsea, if they can emerge out of their slump. Uh, But beyond that, I think United can feel very positive about the competitions that they're in at the moment. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at RedCouchBanks. Hit us up on the social channels. If you enjoy the show, please don't forget to tell your friends about it. Subscribe. Join us after every match. Reviews, ratings, we love them all. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Banks.